to welcome all of our campuses to week two of our series called Better. Come on, can we just welcome all of those that are joining us? Baton Rouge to Biloxi, those in Atlanta, all the men and women each week at the Orleans Justice Center, St. Tammany Parish Jail, Hancock County Jail, all the prisons that are joining us. We're so honored to have you with us. We are teaching for six weeks on relationships. I want to say this, relationships bring us the greatest pleasure, but also potentially the greatest challenge and pain in our lives. And that's why the Bible talks so much about relationship, relationship with God, relationship with one another, and yes, even a relationship with ourselves. It's interesting when you open the Bible, Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two. It's amazing. It's wonderful. The Bible says that, that, that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. There was intimacy with God. There was intimacy with one another. It was a fulfilling, rewarding life. And then, and then Genesis chapter 3. The villain enters. The adversary. The Bible calls him Satan himself. And when he enters, well... Number one, he begins to pollute man's relationship with God, and then he begins to pollute mankind's relationship with one another. I want you to see if you open your Bible to Genesis chapter 3, what the enemy wants to do in relationships. They want to talk to you about communication. Everybody say it. One, two, three, say it. Communication. Now watch this. And conflict. The reality is, is Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, man had communication, mankind, with God and with one another. Genesis chapter 3, watch this, paradise lost. Conflict came because of sin. Now, I'm going to share with you today that the Bible gives us a strategy, a biblical blueprint, how to enhance our communication with one another, with God. Yes, but with one another, but also how to resolve conflict. We do not have to live subjugated to broken relationship after broken relationship after unresolved conflict after unresolved conflict. No, we can find out how to do it God's way. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? By the way, let me pause right there. The enemy always comes to try to, watch this, get us to doubt what God already said. If the enemy can come lie to you, get you to doubt the word of God, is the Bible true? Does God really mean that? Is, I mean, that's listen, there are no new lies from the enemy. Lie back then, same lie today. Hath God said. And look what happens. And the woman said to the servant, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Again, if we read on, Adam and Eve ultimately disobey God. They threw off what God said. They succumbed to the lie of the enemy. And when they did that, and when they did that, number one, don't miss this, their relationship with God was fractured. It was broken. But not only was their relationship with God broken, 
but their relationship with one another. Now enters the blame game. Now enters the shift. Now enters not communication, but conflict. And if we understand the roots of conflict, if we understand what the enemy wants to do in our relationships, in our marriage, for those of you that are married, in our friendships, in our church relationships, in your small group, in key friends that build you up, when you begin to understand the origination of how the enemy pollutes relationships, he comes with that insidious voice, and he comes and begins to plant seeds and, and produce animosity and hostility in relationship. It's so clear. Now watch what happens, all right? So Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, paradise. Genesis chapter 3, paradise lost. Watch what happens after Adam and Eve disobey God. Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. Then the man said, here God comes in, and he's looking for mankind. Now Adam is hiding behind fig leaves and trees. He's ashamed. Adam and Eve, they're ashamed. And now all of a sudden they say this. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me the tree, and I ate. All of a sudden the blame comes in. Doesn't take responsibility for his own actions. Doesn't take responsibility but all of a sudden, the shift comes. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is it? What is this that you have done? And the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now division comes. There's a division between God and mankind, but there's a division right in the middle of that very first relationship between Adam and Eve. The blame game starts. The conflict, he said, she said, if you go on, Genesis chapter 4, now there's murder, there's conflict between siblings, and it goes on and on and on. And here we are today, thousands of years later, where there's conflict, there's communication breakdown, there's jealousy, there's anger, there's, there's manipulation, there's unforgiveness, there's, there's on and on and on in relationships, the enemies work. Pastor Steve, is it possible as a follower of Christ to learn how to communicate effectively? And is it possible for me to learn how to resolve conflict? I want to resoundingly say yes, it is. Relationships are work. It takes hard work. But by the grace of God and by this, listen, by applying the truth of God's word. See, not all conflict, listen to me, this is important. You and I are going to have conflict, but we can have conflict followed by resolution if we do it God's way. You show me a marriage, you show me a relationship, you show me a parent, listen, a parent and a child, there's going to be conflict, but if we do it God's way, in God's word, he's given us a blueprint of how to resolve conflict. Fact is, is that hurtful words come, missed expectations come, and parties quietly go along in silent frustration, unfulfilled needs, unfulfilled expectation. Breakdown in relationship. Pastor Steve, is there a way to break the cycle? And the answer is yes. The story of communication and conflict, matter of fact, reminds me of a story I heard once about a woman and a husband and a wife, and they were on the verge of divorce, and they went to an attorney. A woman meets with the attorney and says, I, I, I want to divorce my husband. Okay, the attorney responds. Let's start with a few questions. Let me just start off. 
Like what, she says. Well, do you have any grounds? Yes, matter of fact, we have five acres out in the country. No, I mean, do you have a grudge? No, but we have a nice wide carport and a storage shed. Let me ask this a different way. Do you have any complaints about him? Like what? Well, do, do, does he beat you up? No, matter of fact, I'm usually up an hour before him every morning. Well, what about your role? Does he, I mean, do, do you wake him up? Do you ever, you know, do you wake up grouchy? No, when he's in a bad mood, I just let him sleep in. Exacerbated, the, the attorney finally says, what exactly do you, why do you want to get a divorce? And the wife replies, well, the guy just can't communicate. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. The reality is all of us have breakdown in our communication. Can we own that? Can we own that? Can, can we, can, do we have enough humility in our hearts to say, you know what? It's, it's me. The human dilemma is that all of us have brokenness in our souls. And do you remember when you were dating? The bliss, the excitement, the joy, and happily ever after, and it's going to be, I mean, this paradise relationship, there's never going to be a problem. Matter of fact, when I don't do marriage counseling today, and, and uh, I don't do much of it, and I, and, I, and I don't do pre-marriage, we do do it on our church, all of our campuses. We've got assessments. We go into great detail to help people to get set up for success in relationship that's very, very important. And, and the reality is, I don't think any couple starts off saying, you know what, we're going to give this thing a shot for a year, but we're not sure what's going to happen. Nobody starts off like that. There's a glean in their eye. There's an excitement. Why? Because there's a hope. I mean, I mean, this is it, right? I mean, they found the one, and they're excited to spend the rest of their life with them. Matter of fact, I'll never forget one time I was talking to a young couple, said, Pastor, I mean, they were just very, very newly wed. I mean, weeks, they said, we have never argued once. We've never had a conflict. The fact is, is that we do have conflicts in our relationships, but, but it's not just conflicts, it's conflicts. Question, do we have resolution after those conflicts? Can we resolve those conflicts? I want to give you three types of conflict resolution. The fact is, is if we don't learn how to do it God's way, you get married, you get into a relationship. If you don't learn how to resolve conflict God's way, you know what happens? We, listen, we go into what we learned as kids. And there's three primary ways that families dealt with conflicts. Number one, I'm gonna give you some word pictures for you. Here you go. The first way that families often have dealt with conflict is what I call the turtle family. What is the turtle family, Pastor? Some of you guys, by the way, you grew up in that. A conflict starts happening, an argument happens, a problem, and all of a sudden, you just kind of withdraw right into that shell, <clears throat> and you don't, listen, you don't want to deal with anything, you don't want to negotiate, you don't want to have any conflict, you don't want to have any problems at all, and you just kind of, you go in your shell, and then you just kind of wait, and you just kind of hang out, and then you just slowly emerge out of that shell to see if it, all the coast is clear. Here's the reality conflict wasn't resolved, you just, you just avoided it. Maybe you guys grew up in a family, what I call a wasp family. 
You know what a wasp is? A wasp. I mean, they just build those nests and they just come in and they just bam you. I mean, when you just, I mean, when you least expect it, they'll get you. Matter of fact, during uh, the quarantine, you know, uh, two March, uh, two years ago, I was, uh, some of you guys know, it was part of a global prayer movement thing and it's bunch of friends of ours, and, and so I would come up here to the office each day and, and, and by myself, and I was often, I'd set up, I have all my technology set up, and I got stung by a wasp. I have not been stung by a wasp in 30 years. I got stung by a wasp on two consecutive days. It was a demonic attack. I was coming to my, my office. I came in. I mean, it was crazy. It was like out of nowhere. I go to open up my door, and all of a sudden, bam, and it just hits me on my hand. And I just thought, and, and, and I, was, I, I couldn't believe I actually got stung. I couldn't believe I got stung by a wasp. And it, just to be honest, it kind of hurt a little bit. I know it's just kind of, you know, you kind of go back. Okay, what did your mom say? Do you put peanut butter? What do you put tobacco? Oh, I don't have that. I'm a Christian. But I, what, do you put, what do you put on a wasp? The next day, the exact same thing happened, and I got stung on the neck. Yeah, it's like an invasion of hell at the church. <laughs> Matter of fact, I just got on social media. I think I posted about it, and some people are going, and, and most people are Pastor, we're praying for you. Aw. And one guy goes, Pastor, grow up. It's not a big deal. I'm like, what's up, bro? What's up with that? <laughs> Some of you guys grew up in a family like that, man. You just, you, look, you just walk into the house and little, little do you know that there's just a wasp nest that's made around and just bam, and you get wasp. And so you kind of develop that. And so you learn how to respond that same way. Whether it's a, a turtle family, you withdraw, or a wasp family, or some of you guys have what's called a roadrunner family. That's how you dealt with conflict. You, you know what happens in a roadrunner family? When there's conflict, you split. You split. Maybe you physically leave the house for a day or two. Maybe you, maybe you leave in the sense emotionally and you go into alcohol abuse or overwork or whatever it is. In other words, you just take off and you're just like, I'm not going to do it. You don't go on a shelf. You just take off. Turtle? Wasp? Roadrunner. The fact is, is that conflict is a part of our human dilemma. We all deal with conflict. And the reality is if we can deal with conflict properly, biblically, we can actually go through conflict. You show me a marriage that's conflict-free, where there's never any tension, any conflict, and I question whether somebody is not being themselves. If you are both if you are both involved in discussions, there's going to be disagreement and conflict. The issue is, do you resolve it and handle one another with grace? I want to give you four T's of reconciliation. How do you, pastor, how do you reconcile a relationship when there's a conflict? Watch this. And there's a wedge in that relationship. Because here's what I found out. By the way, you guys heard the whole thing, time heals. Not necessarily. Actually, time can make it worse. Time can allow that wedge to go in farther and farther and farther. So, so I, I want to resolve things. We, we've got to be resolvers as men and women of God, as followers of Christ. We've got to know what the Bible teaches. How do we resolve that conflict? Let me give you four T's. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 
20 to 27 and 29. Listen to this. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Ephesus. He says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Do you know that we can actually give place to the enemy in our lives by unresolved issues in our soul, in our lives, by unforgiveness, by bitterness? We can actually give entry. The word place is the word topos, topography. I don't want to give place to the enemy in my life and in my marriage. It says, for we can give place to the enemy. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I had a friend of mine say one time, he's actually a preacher, he said, Pastor, my wife and I, or he actually said, Steve, my wife and I have never, ever, ever, ever gone to bed angry. Now we've stayed up for two straight days. Come on, you know what I'm, he literally told me that. Don't give place to the devil. Let no corrupt communication Proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for the necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Number one, the first T of reconciliation is you and I have got to learn how to communicate truthfully. When we're sitting now with our spouse, I know that this series, by the way, this is really the only talk where I'm going to deal specifically with marriage. This, these principles apply to any relationship, but I'm specifically leaning in on the marriage relationship. Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott, or Dr. Les last week, kind of dealt with marriage. Next week, it's going to be relationships, friendships, all different. We're going to talk about how to relate to people uh, in our community as well. So this specific one, I do want to deal with marriages because there's so much pain in marriage today. You look at the statistics, even post-pandemic, you look at all of the challenges in marriage. Maybe it's because people were in the home with people for so long, and they looked at one another and said, well, who are you? Well, who are you? I was thinking the same thing. There's so much unresolved tension in relationships. And Number one, I think one of the most important things is that we learn how to communicate truthfully. When we're sitting down with our spouse, dealing with conflict, it's important that we establish a basis of truth. Look what Paul says, therefore. Listen, anytime in the Bible you see the word therefore, we've got to ask ourselves the question, why is it therefore? Therefore, every time we see it, we've got to ask this. Therefore, each of you put away lying and speak truth. Now, I want to make a little confession here. I don't believe I lie to my wife, but at times I like to have fun. I like to exaggerate. Matter of fact, she's working with me on this. Uh, this is a real kind of transparency moment. I like to play a lot. I like to be very, um, I, I'm a humorous person. By the way, a good sense of humor is healthy. But what I found in my marriage is when you go from a sense of humor to exaggerating and, and it hurts people, I mean, you know, Paul would say, you need to put that off. And at times in our relationships, we're just, we're, we, we can play so much, we can tease so much that, that there's no basis of trust because the basis of trust is built upon the basis of truth. On a deeper note, those of us that, guys, and I want to just say this, we, we, if, if we are outright lying to our spouse, you think, wow, I don't want them to know that because if they know that, the, the, the basis of trust is the basis of truth. We've got to have a foundation of truth. If one party's over here and the other party's over there and, and there's no trust, let's go back. 
Let's go back and look at the foundation. Is there no truth? Can I tell you how to invite God in your marriage? Be truthful. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of what? Come on, everybody say it. Truth. Can I tell you what the enemy is? The devil himself, he's the father of lies. One of the quickest ways to bring the enemy into your marriage is to tell a lot of lies. Why? Because the enemy is the father of lies and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of, come on, say it, truth. The basis of a healthy relationship, the basis of a healthy marriage where this trust is built upon the foundation of truth. Number one, we've got to learn to communicate truthfully. So I would say to all of you roadrunners, slow down, stay around long enough and address the areas in, our, in your marriage. For those of you that are turtles, listen, put your head out, stay in the conflict, ask for the grace of God, and let's speak the truth. Number two, we also have to learn to communicate tenderly. Communicate tenderly. There are some marriages that are high truth oriented, but not said with the right level of tenderness. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is if, you are, if you're a high truth person, which we should all speak truth, but, but we've got to package that in tenderness. Paul said it this way, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, but speaking the truth in, come on, everybody say it, love. May grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. How many times in my, in my marriage, in my relationship with my wife, with Jennifer, we've been married 26 years this summer, 27 years, and I may have said something that's true, but I may have said it in a non-tender way. It's not just saying something that's true, but it's saying it in love. Paul said, speak the truth in love. I know this is a hard tension. The Bible says in John chapter 1, there's only one person that's able to really measure out this balance. I know it's Christ. John 1.14, he came full of grace and truth. But, but as followers of Christ, we can grow in grace and truth. And how many times in our marriage have we said something? It was true, but it wasn't packaged in love. And we've got to learn to do that. And I'll say this to the guys, because I am, I, I am a guy, is that oftentimes I've said things I know to my wife, or I know I've heard her. It was true, but it wasn't in tenderness. And maybe the, reconcil maybe the, the relationship wedge in, in your marriage right now is because, number one, there's not a basis of truth. But maybe, number two, there's a lot of truth, but it's not packaged in tenderness. Paul says, speak the truth in, come on, finish it, love. How many times have we sat down with our spouse and we've spoken truth, but it's not spoken in love? Proverbs chapter 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We're not talking about denying truth here, guys. We're not talking about being dishonest. We want to speak the truth. The basis of a healthy relationship where there's trust is a foundation of truth. But how are we saying that truth? Are we saying it in love? Are we saying it in tenderness? Writer of Proverbs says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs of anger. 
I want to give you guys 10 ground rules for fighting fair. I did this about 10 years ago. And uh, so I'm going to give you this. You want to write it down. All of our campuses, those of you that are online as well, you want to take these notes down. I'm going to go through them fast. Uh, They're going to be on your notes. You can go back to uh, looking at this message. This is one that's probably you ought to look at over 10 ground rules for fighting fair. Remember the basis. Number one, everybody say truth. And everybody say tenderness. Okay, based upon that, I'm going to give you guys 10 ground rules. All healthy relationships have conflict, but biblical relationships have conflict followed by resolution. How do we do it? All right, here we go. Number one, let me give you. Here's the ground rules for fighting fair. Ground rule number one, never compare. Talking about when you're in a fight and you're in an argument, you're in a conflict, never compare. You're just like your mom. Well, you're just like the dog. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not, a, that's, not a, that's, not a big, that's not a big win. Number two, ground rule number two, avoid absolutes. You know this one, guys. You always, always, I'm always late. Every single time we've ever gone anywhere, I'm always late. Come on. You'll never, never, I'll never avoid absolutes at all costs. It, provo- it, provo- it provokes a hopelessness in the heart of the hearer. Ground rule number three, no name calling. Keep your tongue under control and stay away from personal attacks. You can in love address a disappointment. You in love can address a a behavior, but we don't name call. In other words, we're going to keep separate someone's identity from their behavior. Are you with me? Ground rule number four, never challenge your spouse using money, intimacy, or the threat of divorce as leverage. Never manipulate your spouse. Ground rule number five, never change lanes. What do I mean by that? You're losing an argument. You thought, well, that's not going well. Let me start a new fresh argument. You can't do that. It's not fair. Ground rule number six, never play the reporter. What do I mean by that? You know what reporters do. What do they do? They are masters in cutting off the person they're interviewing. What do you think about, well, when I, ah, they just hit you again. You got to let the person talk. If you're asking a question, you got, you got to let them finish. We don't play the reporter, right? You, 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 we don't do that. That's not fair. You're not in the White House briefing room and you're questioning whoever is you you, no no we've got to we've got if we ask a question with the ground rules are you've got to allow the answer ground rule number seven drop the scorecard don't become the old scorekeeper i'm not gonna lose this one no way do you remember what happened there no no i'm gonna i'm gonna win this one drop the scorecard here's another one ground rule number eight don't psychoanalyze this was big for me I mean, I'm getting real transparent here. The reason that you're acting this way is because your parents did this or your parents did that. I know what some of you guys say. Well, the reason why you did that is because your diapers were on too tight as a kid. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) Don't be a miniature shrink in your marriage. Don't do that. That has been a real fallacy. Well, the reason why you do that is, and the fact is, is she was just talking and I want to psychoanalyze everything. Don't do that. That doesn't produce intimacy in the relationship. All right, here's another one. You guys learn anything? Three people. All right, you're under conviction. All of you campuses, I know you love this. Here we go. Ground rule number nine, don't play the historian. 
You know what a historian does? When we were married in year two, you did this. I can't even remember year two. Please don't play the historian. Because if you go back to that, it defeats the person that's trying to make progress in the marriage. Ground rule number 10. That was a good one. Let me give myself a hand clap for that. That was a really good one. I'm trying to help you guys out. Here's another one. Ground rule number 10. Never quit. A sad commentary on our generation is the fact that we do lack commitment. And uh, people are not committed to much these days. And it's easy to throw on the towel. I do want to make two qualifications. Number one. I know there's times in marriage where there's legitimate abuse and divorce that follows. I understand. Absolutely. I get it. And I also understand that listening to me, there's a high percentage of people that have been divorced, some remarried, and thank God for redemption, thank God for another chance, and there's no shame attached to it. But the high percentage of you will be married again. Let's enter in with our eyes open, truth aligned in our hearts, a heart towards God. Let's learn from mistakes and let's not repeat that so that we can go and say, for better, for worse, till death do us part. In other words, at some point in time, we've got to get this thing right. Number three, communicate timely. Everybody say truthfully. Come on, louder than that. Man, y'all are in so much conviction. Everybody say truthfully. truthfully. Everybody say tenderly. tenderly. Okay, watch this. Communicate timely. I'm almost finished. Communicate timely. Pastor Steve, what do you mean when you say communicate? Watch this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Notice the scripture says anger should never be an impulsive reaction. You can feel things deeply and not react. You can feel things deeply. Don't say it. Don't say it. You regret it out of anger. Don't say it. Don't say it. That is, walk in the backyard for a couple minutes, then come back and cool down. A cool down is fair play. Okay, I just got to cool down for a minute here. Okay. But the reality is, don't say the word. Don't say it. Because I'm telling you, if you say the word, and I've said some things that I regret, Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God my wife has forgiven me. The Bible talks about having short accounts. We need to be people that build spirit-filled, godly marriage that have short accounts. We need to be professional repenters. Own things. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I won't do that again. I'm sorry. Everybody say, I'm sorry. Say, I was wrong. That was some of the first time some of y'all have ever said that. You know, I just, I'm just being honest, all right? Everybody say, I'm sorry. Say, I was wrong. Everybody say, please forgive me. Now, here's repentance. Metanoema means you're going one way and you go, here it is. I won't do that again. Say it. That's good. That, that, I'm going to go the other way. Proverbs 15, 12, a scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. People run from healthy, tender, truth conversation, sometimes even in a marriage, even when it's said appropriately. I wonder if we could all be videotaped how sometimes because our feelings get hurt. And by the way, it's hard to admit when we're wrong. It's hard to admit that at times because we want to rationalize. We want to rationalize our behavior. Well, the reason why is this. Well, the reason why we are where we are. And you know what? That, there may be some truth in that. 
But God's not called us to shift the blame. God's called us to own our part, to own, to own it. And by the way, that's on both sides, husbands and wives. The reality is, is that we are not shy about hiring people to help us. Tutors, some of you that own businesses, you'll hire a business coach. Some of you that play golf, you'll go get a golf coach. We get coaches to help us in practical things like that or hobbies, but, but sometimes it's hard to admit, you know what, let's go see a marriage counselor. I, I want to go on record saying this. Jennifer and I, there's been some tough patches in our marriage where we needed some outside help. We've needed some people to give some perspective. Thank God for that. And I've talked about when I went to go see a counselor, even personally, individually. I walked up there, the guy thing, he had his name was in Texas, and it said psychoanalyst, a psycho a psychoanalysis. No, he said psychotherapist. Excuse me, psychotherapist. I thought, why not just call your name life coach? Who wants to be a psychotherapist? <laughs> Hint, I'm going to see a psycho. <laughs> e -e 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 -e. Pastor, why do you tell the congregation that you're the pastor, that, you go, that you've gone to a counselor? I still do. Why do you say that you and Jennifer and I have gone to counselor? Why? Because I want you guys to know that you need a psychotherapist too sometimes. <laughs> God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I'm going to say this as a dude. Sometimes it's hard for dudes to admit they need help. It's hard. I'm not going to get help. You go get fixed. Well, I mean, you know, we both need to get fixed. And sometimes it's hard. I thank God. I thank God for godly counsel around me. I have two pastors that are overseers to me, Jennifer and I. But I thank God that I have gone to counsel. And I thank God for that. It's been painful at times. I want to get better. Everybody say, get better. What does that mean for the follower of Jesus? I want to be more like Jesus. I, 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 don't, want to, I don't want to blow my marriage. And let me tell you, there's been times where I've made dumb decisions. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I, times as a parent. I mean, I've apologized to my, parent, my, my kids. I've apologized to my wife. I want to get better. Here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. If we have healthy marriages, we're growing. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Only one person is perfect. His name's Jesus. We've got to grow. Let me give you this last thing. Communicate tactfully. Everybody say truthfully. Everybody say tenderly. Everybody say timely. Everybody say tactfully. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. What is good for necessary sanctification, edification, excuse me, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Circle the word here or there. We must communicate tactfully. Truthfully, yes. Tenderly, yes. Timely, yes. But tactfully. Only 7% of communication is verbal. Body language and expressions are 55% of communication, and voice tone is 38%. I've been working on my tone. I'm trying to be more tender with my wife. I'm trying to gauge down. I'm an aggressive personality. I've always been like that. That's, that's how I'm a, I'm a wired up personality. But you can't just, you can't stand before God one day and say, God, my relationships weren't that good. Well, God, you just made me wound up. Well, change. Grow in the grace of God. 
grow in the ability to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Be more tender. Be more kind. I got a homework assignment for you guys. Uh, the next time you're in this little conflict, this is, one, this is what a marriage counselor told me. You guys ready? He said, Steve, I'm going to give you some good advice. When you and Jennifer get in a conflict, be quiet for a minute. Don't talk. I'm like, that's pretty hard. Because I mean, I'll come in like a prosecutor. I'm like, well, yeah, but, 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 but my mind, it, it, it. just be quiet. Just absorb. Everybody say absorb. Let me talk to the guys for a minute. Absorb. Just let them talk for a minute. Just let them, just let your wife talk. Just let your wife talk. Just an absorb, just, just let her talk. An appropriate place, appropriate time. I don't like in front of kids. I don't like that. Go to your bedroom, say what you want to say. Just say what you want to say. Just, just get it out. I'm learning. I'm going to absorb that. I've not always been good at that. I've not always been good at that. And uh, I, thank God for, I thank God for God's grace. I thank God for God's grace. How many of y'all grateful for God's grace? Come on. Y'all grateful? I, I'm going I'm to say this in closing. We don't only need God's grace, but we need grace from one another. I'm not talking about where there's abuse. That's a whole different category. And you need to talk to professionals about that. But I'm talking about relationships where we're disappointing one another, we're saying the wrong thing, and, 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 and we're hurting and disappointing one another. We need to extend grace to one another too. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting, just if you have your spouse with you, can you just hold their hand right there? I just want to pray for the marriages in our church. I'm going to ask all the campus pastors to come forward right now as well. And then I'm going to turn it back to you. But I just want to pray for the marriages in our church. I thank God for Jennifer and I. We're not where we used to be, but we're not where we want to be. I want to, I want to be a better husband. I told her that recently. I said, I just, I just want to be better. I want to grow with this. Yeah. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are healing marriages in this church. You're healing hurts in the hearts of people. God, I thank you that you are a God of another chance. I thank you for healing grace being released into the relationships in this church. Lord, where there's pain and there's hurt, there's been negative words, Lord, let there be repentance. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I won't do that again. Lord, let us be quick to say that to our spouse. Let, it, let us be quick to extend grace to one another. Husbands and wives, both extend grace. That we can grow and that we can become the men and women that you've created us to be. Lord, as their pastor, I pray grace over marriages. I pray healing right now. I just sense the Holy Spirit right now. I pray your healing grace upon the marriages in this church. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Let me give it back to the campus. Man, what an awesome message today from Pastor Steve about marriage. And whether you're married or not, my hope is that you would walk away feeling encouraged, empowered, and equipped to walk out a healthier marriage. And if I haven't met you yet, my name is Simon Anderson. I'm the online campus pastor here at Church of the King. And we're so glad that you joined us for church today. Thank you so much for being here. And we don't ever wanna let a service go by without acknowledging those of you 
who may be making a decision to give your life to Jesus today. If that is you, I just wanna personally say congratulations. As a church, we're cheering you on, we're standing with you, and we wanna help and equip you on this new journey of following Jesus. So would you do me a favor and text the word decision to the numbers 822-822. What that allows me to do is really just to follow up with you and hear a little bit of your story and see how we can best resource you as you're beginning this new journey of following Jesus. Well, today is the month of May. We're towards the end of April and going into the month of May. And what that means is that we have step one happening this weekend. And if you haven't jumped into our next steps journey yet, what are you waiting for? This is literally the perfect weekend to jump into step one. And what step one is, is a way for you to get to know us as a church and a way for us to get to know you. So I personally would love to meet you at step one happening this weekend. Just go online to churchofthekingcom slash next steps to reserve your spot. And I can't wait to see you there at step one this weekend. And one more thing. And you are not going to want to miss Serve Day happening in two weeks. Get your Serve shirt ready, and let's get ready to serve the people in the communities all around us. And what is Serve Day, you might ask? It's a once-a-year event. This year it's happening on May 14th, where we as a church come together and really build momentum around serving people in our communities. You know, one thing that Pastor Steve says a lot that I love is that we're not just a come and see church, but we are a go and do church. And Serve Day is a way for us to practically go and be the hands and feet of Jesus, to show people the love of God, to really practically show them that God loves them so much. And it's a way for us to serve our communities, no strings attached. So I'd love for you to be a part of Serve Day on May 14th. We're going to have Serve Day rallies at all of our physical locations, but we're also going to be streaming it here online. So if you're part of a physical location, I'd encourage you to be a part of Serve Day in person. But if you're part of our online church family, man, why don't you attend the rally with us and then go out and find a need in your community and meet it. You know, we all know people that are in need. Maybe there's some people that you know that need some groceries picked up for them, some, some lawns that need mowing, or maybe a single mom that needs something. You know, we all have people that we could serve practically with the love of God. So I encourage you to find a need and meet it, to go out into your community and really practically show the love of God on Serve Day on May 14th. So go online to churchofthekingcom slash serve day for more information and to sign up. We can't wait to see you there for Serve Day on May 14th. Well, with that being said, our service is coming to a close. Thank you so much for being a part of our service today. We loved having you. Next week, we're gonna be continuing our series called Better. It's gonna be amazing. So be thinking about who, who you can bring with you to church next week. And we hope you have an amazing week. We can't wait to see you next weekend. We love you, we're standing with you, and we'll see you soon.